This parsha, the coming parsha, is Mishpatim. Yesterday we read about the Ten Commandments. God gave us the Torah. It was very exciting news. Everybody was standing at Mount Sinai. The experience was unbelievable. And right after that, God told them, now it's time to go down to earth. Mishpatim is laws between men and men, like monetary laws. What happens if you injured somebody, if you, if you property um, damage and so on? One of the laws that's written in this parsha is about guardians. It's called the four guardians. If somebody, if Mr. A gave a car to Mr. B to protect it, you're going out of town and you need to park the car in a safe, in a safe place. Sometimes people park the car in our uh, parking lot for a week. They're going out of town. I don't know why they do it, but they leave it here for a whole week. Maybe it's a more safe place than in their own uh, garage. I don't know. <laughs> and now if something happened to the car, if the car was torn, and I'm responsible for the car, they asked me to protect the car. I said, yeah, you can leave it here. You can put it. Then becomes a question. Do they pay me for it to protect them? Or they just ask me and I did them a favor? And so on and on. Then we'll start this little by little and we'll see what this means in our personal spiritual life too. Because the job of Hasidus is to take every law in the Torah and to translate it to our service with God. <coughs> That's what it's all about. Chabad, what the Rebbe was doing, he was making a commentary to the whole Torah. What does this mean for me today in 2024 in Solon, Ohio? And every law he took, everywhere, everywhere he went throughout Judaism, for all his life, I would say, before he even became a Rebbe, as you'll see later, it was all our, what we do with it. You learn things and people say to themselves, that's not relevant to me. And David told them, you bet it's relevant to you. And I'll show you how. Okay, go ahead. Four guardians, unpaid guardian. If a man gives his neighbor money or articles for safekeeping, and it is stolen from the man's house, if the thief is not found, the homeowner shall approach the judges to swear that he has not laid his hand upon his neighbor's property. Go ahead, continue. The first section is written regarding an unpaid guardian. Thus, he is not liable for the theft. As the verse says, stolen from the man's house. If the thief is not found, the homeowner shall swear. This teaches us that he absolves himself of responsibility by swearing. Somebody parked in my parking lot his car, and I told him I'll protect it. And then it was stolen, gone. As long as I, I have to swear that I did not stole it, I didn't do it, or I did not leave the doors, unlock the doors purposely. If it wasn't negligent, exactly, then I'm, I'm observed. I didn't do anything. I'm sorry. I did you a favor. I protected the car. Somebody came and stole it. That's not my problem. Okay. Rabbi, but it probably means that the person who swear that he didn't do it is a God-fearing person, not just anyone. Is it? Otherwise, what is swear uh, away? Swearing in these times, well, that you go to the Beidin, it's not, I swear to you, I didn't do it. Yeah. You go to the Beidin in front of three rabbis, and they give you to all the Torah, and tell you, okay, swear. Mm -hmm. 
Still, there is always, I'll tell you. No, 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 that he can lie. I might say that they should know this person who is swearing on the Torah. If they know that this is a person who swore already before and he lied, they will not make him swear. Yeah, but in general, you need to see every system as holes. No system is perfect, no matter what you're going to do. But you're talking about the majority of the people, 99% of human beings will behave a certain way. Even somebody who's not so honest, to come to, the, to, to all the Torah in his hand and to swear that he didn't do it, 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 it takes, takes a lot. Is there people like this? I know, yeah, there is. It's not my question. It's like at the time that anyone I'll tell you, if he lied before or lied after without a, without a note, it means nothing. But if he, he made, took a note and he lied while he took the oath once, twice, they don't give him another time. No, they don't give him the opportunity to make a, to use God's name in vain for a third time. It's again because you don't want to put a stumble block in, fly, in, in front of a blind person. You're not allowed to make somebody sin if you know he's going to sin. You understand what I'm saying? If you know for sure he's going to lie. But in general, we're talking about a guy, unpaid uh, guardian. He did, he did the other person a favor. He protected his car. As long as he didn't he wasn't negligent, that's okay, he's, observed. He's, he's, he's exempt. Paid guardian. The paid guardian. If a man gives his neighbor a donkey, a bull, a lamb, or any animal for safekeeping, and it dies, breaks a limb, or is captured, and no one sees it, the oath of God shall be between the two of them, provided that he did not lay his hand upon his neighbor's property, and its owner shall accept it, and he shall not pay but if it is stolen from him, he shall pay its owner. The last line is the important one. But if it's stolen from him, he shall pay its owner. You see, it's a little different already. Because he was a paid guardian, he has to make sure it's not stolen. Rational. No, no, the job is to be the guard. No, you don't. Oh, we're going to go there, but no, you don't give the life. But if I may, if I hire a guard here to protect something, that should be stone, and he was supposed to be there and it was stone, then we have a problem. But it just says, it, it, I guess I'm getting hung up on the word that says, if it's stolen, it, does, it doesn't articulate what. Wait, wait. That's, you see, everything in the Torah itself is written not clear. And then comes the Talmud, the Talmud and the commentaries and clarify this, this laws. That's why we need the Talmud. It could be a clear difference between unpaid and paid because like it says if it's a stolen, uh, it absolves his responsibility by swearing. Like if if uh, door was locked, someone stole it, he's a, 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 a first case unpaid, he is absolved. The second one, even if it's probably was closed, but someone stole sure. it, he yes. still has to pay. That's probably... Yes, 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 exactly, yes. Rashi, verse 9, yeah, go ahead. If a man gives his neighbor a donkey or a bull, 
This section is written regarding a paid guardian. Therefore, they are not absolved of liability if the object was stolen. As the verse says, if it is stolen from him, he shall pay its owner. However, if the damage was beyond their control, for example, the, the animal died without external intervention, or was wounded or stolen by armed thieves, and there was no witness, the guardian must swear they are telling the truth. He says, but is responsible for stealing, theft, that was your question. But if it was an, like an act of God, as they call it in America, and in, 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 the, in the contracts, if it's something that was unexpected and out of your control, then you're not responsible, even if you're a paid gardener. Now comes the next level, the borrower. Aha, uh -huh. I, I borrowed your car. And I got into an accident, and it wasn't my fault altogether. I'm responsible. I did, I did you a favor, I gave you the car. Now you broke it. Whatever the reason is, it's your problem. You better take care of it. But it wasn't my fault, it was this, it was a snowstorm. You were driving the car. I gave you for free my car. I did you a favor. I came and said, I need, my, I need your car to go somewhere, to the airport. I'm responsible for it, simple. For everything, no matter what happened to it. Yeah. It's kind of unfair because, for example, if some part break that was very old, it just broke, right? It's very, mm -hmm. very expensive. What would be the law? Tell me. Huh. Yes, yeah, you're supposed to theoretically fix it even though it was just a time. It's good. It's all your bad luck. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, really. he don't borrow anybody's car. Uh, unless <laughs> owner knew that. Yeah, the tomorrow morning it's going to be. Hour and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you, 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 you know, some people have bad luck. I mean, it's a fact. <laughs> What's it? You sound like something happened with you. Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a... No, but it was uh, similar. We were, we were taking a trip. It wasn't my car. And we were, somebody threw a stone and broke the windshield. Wow. Well, my car wasn't mine. I was just a passenger going to Florida, right? But the guy who owned the car, he paid. And I was always thinking about, should I have just chipped in or not? Because we were... He was yeah, driving. He was driving, but we were driving <coughs> together. It was... A half, of the, a half of the stone is your fault. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't tell us what you did. <laughs> <laughs> they will feel guilty. Is he talking to you? Is he still talking to you or not? That was a long time ago. No, no, he forgot. He's not talking to you. That's it. Seven years is his brother. Okay, then there is a fourth level. Go ahead, you will continue. Renter, the renter. Uh, What does this mean? Read the Rashi. If the animal is not borrowed but rented, it has come to the renter's hand by being rented, not borrowed, and the renter doesn't enjoy full benefits because they are paying to use it. Thus, the law of the borrower, who is liable for circumstances beyond his control, is not applicable. It means to say, if I rented a car, I do not have to pay for such situations because I paid for it. 
It's not the, the, I took it for free, and now it's yours. You, took, you have to deal with it. I paid for it. Then I pay. I have to, I'm responsible. I cannot be negligent. I have to lock the car. I have to protect the car. But what things behind my control, it's not my, not, not my responsibility. I paid for it. That's, the, the renter also takes the risk because it's, he benefits from it. That's are the four guardians. Now we'll read how my money decides it, and he sums up all four of them beautifully. Go ahead. The Torah details four types of guardians who are governed by three different rules. Four types of watchmen are an unpaid guardian, the borrower, a paid guardian, and a renter. These are the three rules that govern cases involving these watchmen. A, unpaid guardian. When an entrusted article is stolen from or lost by an unpaid guardian, and needless to say, when the entrusted article is destroyed by the guardian control, such that it was an animal or and it died or taken captive, the guardian must take an oath that he guards the article in a manner appropriate for a guardian, and then he is freed of liability, as Exodus 7.22.6 states, and it was stolen from the man's home, and the homeowner shall approach the judges. Judges and swear, and that's it. That the unpaid guardian doesn't, is not responsible for anything, basically, besides negligence. B, a borrower must take restitution in all instances, whether the borrowed object was lost, stolen, or destroyed by factors beyond its control, such that a borrowed animal died, was injured, or taken captive. For with regard to a borrower, if it 13 states, if it becomes injured or dies, when its owner is not with it, he must certainly make restitution. Then we have the two extremes. We have the unpaid guardian is not responsible for anything, only for negligence. We have the borrower who is responsible for everything. In between, there is the renter and the paid, guard, the paid guardian and the renter who legally they are the same laws, but the, the intention of how they came to this situation is different. But in the bottom line, both of them are, resp are responsible equally. The law is for both of them the same. That's what I want to say. Go ahead. I have a problem with that. You have a problem. Okay, let's see what the problem. You borrow something, and the animal, okay, so you borrow an animal, and beyond your own control, God's will, this animal dies. Why am I responsible for something that is beyond my control? Now, if I did everything I could to help it not die, why am I still responsible to, like, what does that mean? Like, I have to replace it? Yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Shouldn't it be like, you should borrow something. Did you take to the doctor anymore before making sure it's just kidding? Yeah, you should like, have some skin in the game. <laughs> if you just want a free ride to borrow, oh. you know, then you'll never owe anybody anything. If you have a monetary investment, then you have a different outcome. When you... Well, what if, what if the animal came to me and it was sick, but it wasn't... It's close to me that it's then, then it's a problem. Not disclosed. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a problem. It's already a, a specific problem. But in general, when I borrow something for free, I take full responsibility for it. I take ownership on it. That's what is happening. I take ownership on it. And if I take ownership on it, I'm responsible for everything. If, I, if you borrow a car from somebody else and it got broken one way or another, somebody bumped into it on a parking lot, it's your problem, not his problem, right? If I borrowed your car in the, in the, in the, in the parking lot, somebody hit the car, what are you going to do? Or are you going to say, oh, I know it's not your fault, or you're such a nice guy. 
<laughs> but without in a world that even insurance, it's on my insurance, then it then it go uh, I, the, 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 the points are the later. points are going by me. I mean, we had a few accidents in the car, so. Huh? borrowing like an object, but well, if you're it's borrowing not something that's alive, so, oh, life you put, you, God you, wills it to, to die on my watch. And God wills it to, you, God wanted a new watch. Exactly that. It's a new watch. That's exactly the word. Like if something happens to in my hand, I mean, you have to have, obviously, have a discussion with the person that you're partnering. If they leave the dog with you, you're not doing anything, other things that, if happens, By the way, if you babysit for a dog and something happened for him, something happened to him, and you, they paid you, even if they didn't pay you, how would you, how would they feel if you died or something like this? Tell me. I mean, they will feel like, we were you. Why didn't call the doctor? Why didn't do this? Why did we were you? How you allowed such a thing? Well, what if you did call the doctor? So um, what I mean to say is when you, are, when you borrow something, you take upon yourself 100% responsibility. The act of borrowing says I take full responsibility. I don't pay for it, but I take full responsibility. So basically, don't be a borrower. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't want to be 100% responsible, okay. don't be a borrower, yeah. Or you're responsible Only, uh, yourself by getting yeah, Exactly, you know, you borrow, you want to be cheap, you don't want to pay for it. Right. You, don't, you, don't, you don't pay for it now, you pay for it later. There's nothing for free in the world. <laughs> No free lunch. That's what it's all about. Right? No free lunch. Okay, now we'll... Not unfortunately, fortunately. Fortunately, no, not unfortunately. Everybody wants free for everything for free. That's what this America looks today. Everybody wants to free everything. Okay. Um, yes, now we're talking about the middle ground, the paid guardian and the renter. Both of them have the same uh, alachic ruling. Legal ruling. Go ahead. A, a guardian and a renter are governed by the same laws. If the article that was rented or was entrusted for a free for a fee was lost or stolen, they must make restitution. If the article is lost by force beyond the guardian control, e.g., an animal died, was injured, was taken captive, or attacked by the wild animal. Guardian is required to take an oath, and <clears throat> then he is freed of liability, as I e, as I bid, I bid, ten nine states, if it died, was injured, or taken captive, and there is, there were no witnesses, an oath of God shall be between them, and I bid, eleven states that if it's stolen from him. He shall make restitution to its owner. Basically, he sums up what you learned before, that the, guardian, the paid guardian and the renter for negligence and for sto sto stolen, uh, I mean, somebody came and stole it, things that they are expected that could happen, you're responsible. Things that are completely unexpected, you are not responsible. That's what it's all, it's all about. Just an unpaid guardian takes a oath in... In instances, a borrower makes restitution in all instances except when an animal dies performing the labor which is borrowed as will be expended. A paid guardian and a renter make restitution when the article is lost or stolen, and they take an oath when it's destroyed by force beyond their control. 
Egypt, it was injured, taken captive, died, attacked by beasts, lost in a ship that sank at the sea, or seized by armed thieves, or lost in another major matter over which the guardian has no control. Then that's what he explains. Yeah, we, now, now we know, really know the four, the four levels. The, it's basically, it's, it's four types of guardians, four levels, but really they have three laws. The middle ones are, are of the same equal law. Look in the, in the chart, it says it very nicely. The unpaid guardian is, is for negligent is liable, for, not, for theft or loss is not liable, and beyond control is for sure not liable. The paid guardian is for negligent liable. Now close the door, please. He's <laughs> going, going, going. And, uh, and uh, for theft or loss, he's liable, but he's not liable for things behind control. The renter is the same law, and the borrower is liable for everything. Okay, now we'll go to the next level. Open so the window. Robbery, I'm like dying you're still liable. Open the window a little bit. Huh? Huh? Armed robbery, you're still liable. Armed robbery? Yeah. Oh, yeah, if like you before a borrower. A barrel? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The barrel is liable for everything. Yes. Yes. For, yeah. um, for everything. Okay. Everything, no matter what happened. Everything, yes. Yes. Now, we'll take it to the spiritual level. Now you sit here and you think, and say, well, you drink me a cup, it falls down, it falls levels of this. We have insurance, as she said today. We don't have to deal with these problems. You know, the law is law, I don't have to, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, I don't have to know these laws. What do you want from my life? Mm. You sit and you're listening to the rabbis who speak and say, what oh, they want from me, they drink me a copy. Comes the rabbi and says, this is, has to do with every one of you, of us. Okay, the rabbi. Go ahead. The, the, world. the rabbi, we know that the world's existence depends on the Jewish people's observance of Torah and Mitzvot. Those the Jewish people are like guardians into whose hands God entrusted the world to. In the words of the verse, work it and guard it. The way we guard and preserve the world is through the observance of the Torah and the Torah. God created the world, and he put guardians in this world. You know the guardians are us? Are us. Will it started with Adam and Eve? God, when he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, as you're going to read in a second, please read it. Continue. God took, took the man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and guard it. Before the, the, the scene from eating from the tree of knowledge, before anything, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, even then it wasn't like a free ride. Oh, you just came here to retire. It's not Florida. <laughs> God put him here to, to, to walk and to guard it, to protect it, to take care of it. There is no, even then, the, before, it's not like because Adam and Eve were sinned and therefore Adam is, was cur- cursed that he has to sweat and this. But even before anything, he was supposed to guard, guard and protect the whole world. Then we are, God gave us the world, life, our family, everything around us. And he's asking us, are you making sure there is no, there is no problem with the, with the ozone? There is no climate change? Are you protecting the, the, the climate? Everything, everything in the world is my, is my, is my responsibility. That God gave it to our, in us in our head. Now there is four types of guardians. Yeah. So which kinds are we? Wait, <laughs> oh! Oh, which kind of way? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to read the Rebbe? The four spiritual guardians 
We can now explain the deeper meaning of the four guardians in the context of the human relationship with God. Close the The unpaid guardian is the most exalted type of guardian. This refers to a person who has no intention of receiving any reward and work purely for the sake of God. Ah, the unpaid guardian is the Jew with a complete tzaddik. He doesn't need anything for himself. He never thinks about himself. He's not here to expect anything from God. He doesn't want reward. He's doing, serving God because he loves God and he wants to do what God wants. He has nothing in his mind. No expectations. It never even enters his mind. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what about the, the Jew that doesn't uh, go to shul it has nothing to do with Judaism? We'll get to him. We'll get to him. Wait, little by little. You you want the whole thing to eat, to bite the whole thing in one shot. (laughs) Talk about them. We started the best. Is anybody correct? Steve is not here. There is like, it's one word on the bottom. Mm. Yeah, it's one. Every time they have the same thing. You have a pen? No. You want me to go get one? No. (laughs) She has a pen. Give me the pen. Oh, I have a pen. I have a pen. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of pens. The whole project is broken. Still is not here. How are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah. We have no one to work in the garden of Steve. <laughs> exactly. He was an unpaid guardian. You see. Yeah. Now, let's read what Maimonides describes the, the unpaid guardian. It's just beautiful to read it. Go ahead. God out of love occupies himself in the Torah and the mitzvot and walks in the paths of wisdom for no ulterior motive. They don't act out a fear of punishment befalling them, nor in order to acquire benefit. Rather, they do what is true because it is true, and ultimately good will become because of it. A person who walks because he's afraid of God is not really serving God. He's serving himself. He doesn't want to be punched in the nose. Therefore, he's doing it. But he's not doing it really for God. Go ahead. Or he wants to get rewarded. Go ahead. This is... This is a very high level which is not merited by every wise person. It is the level of our patriarch Abraham about who God describes said, He who loved me for his service is motivated purely by love. Abraham! You ask, who, who is the person who is like this? That's what a complete tzaddik is. Somebody who serves God just for God is not expecting anything. But what, nothing wrong with this. It's actually... It's the ultimate. Perfect, sure. This is the, what, that's what every one of us is wishing for. Right. If, if you're old, like that's what you're doing for yourself, but at the same time it serves the purpose like for everything around, it, I think it's great. I mean, what do you mean? I mean... How you describe this person who is not doing it for somebody, he's just doing for God. Himself, the, not the, for himself, for God. For the God, but. It's a big difference. <clears throat> Hello? It's a big difference. Enjoy it for yourself, it's for God. He's doing it. But for the love of, he loves God. He loves God, but, but it's, you say he loves God. Yeah. I know where you're going with that. It's a complicated business. Mm-hmm. And what means really, really. A guy who loves God, it's still there is somebody there. I love God. The ultimate level is, is above it, but we'll not get there. It's too complicated. But go ahead, continue. This, the, um, the sages of the previous generation declared, should one say, I will study Torah in order that I become wealthy, in order that I be called a rabbi, or in order that I receive. 
receive reward in the world to come. The Torah teaches, if you are careful to observe my commandments, to love God, implying that all that you should only be, implying that all that you do should only be out of love. Out of love. I love God. I want to be with Him. I want to do a mitzvah, an opportunity. God asked me to do something. I want to do it. I love Him so much. I want to please Him all day and all night. Isn't this beyond human nature entirely? I mean, you know, uh, so we're always at a someone person. called Maslow had this hierarchy. I mean, Maslow, Maslow, what? What? Well, you got You, you got to get shelter. You got to get all these things. It's sort of like self-actualization, where you're just like you ha- you're in this sort of zone. And all you're really thinking about is some higher thing. It's almost uh, antithetical to being human. It's it, tough to achieve, right? It's very tough to achieve. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I said even most of the most of the smart people, most of the uh, couldn't couldn't reach them. That's what he says. But isn't like everything eventually? It's a good thing if you're afraid of, uh, like you, as, as I'm calling God-fearing person. If you kind of somewhere in your head, you're thinking good or bad, you're fearing yeah. what God says. This is actually amazing, in my opinion, way of keeping yourself on the right path. You know? Very good, okay. yes. You, what you say is very true, and I'll tell you. We don't, you're not born a guy who loves God like this. You start, it's a journey. The journey is, you number one, if God said so, I do it. No chokhmes. Little by little, you build up your relationship with God. But you start from very low, from being afraid of God and, being, and doing what God wants because that's what God told you to do. Not because I'm in love with God. You're not born a complete tzaddik. Nobody is born a complete tzaddik. Abraham made a long journey until he reached there, until he loved God to this level. It's a, it's a journey. You start from the very bottom because if somebody jumps, he's doing out of love, he can, he can lose it. When he's not in love one day, he will not do it. Even when I'm not in love, I have to serve God. Then you're right. It has to be, the foundation has to be accepting the yoke of Torah. God said, and I do. If I love him or I don't love him, it doesn't make a difference. Later, you build it up towards that. The sages also said, um, The sages also said, Psalms 112.1 instructs, Desire his commandments greatly. Desire his commandments and not the reward which comes from his commandments. Desire is commandment, not the reward that comes from the commandment. Do it for the right reason. But again, as we said, that's the ultimate. In a similar manner, the great sages would command the more understanding and brilliant among their students in private. Do not be like servants who serve their master for the sake of receiving a reward. Rather, since he is the master, it is fitting to serve him. Um, an example, serve him out of love. By the way, when the rabbis say this statement, that you serve God, you should serve it not for his reward, but because it's the right thing to do. Some people took it the wrong direction. The whole Sadducee movement was created from this statement. What happened was, they said, oh, the rabbi tells us not to, explain, not to do it for the reward. Obviously, he knows something we don't know, that there is no reward waiting for us. You understand? And that's how they stopped to believe in afterlife, in Olam Abba. That caused that was a side effect. When you give this statement to the wrong people, they can take it the wrong way. This is the ultimate, but you don't walk into show guys, guys, all you do is wrong. You have to serve God because <laughs> the show will be empty next week, I can tell you that. <laughs> if there is no reward and no nothing, then well, why we bother? He didn't say that there is no reward. He says, don't do it for the reward. Or people took it the wrong way. If he says, don't do it for the reward, obviously he knows something we don't know that there is no reward.
That was it what they wrote. That's how they twisted his words. By the way, this is a normal thing that no matter what you're going to say, somebody can twist your words in the way he wants it. We see it in relationships, we see it in everything in the world. And I see it every day. Experience it, not see it, experience it every day. Okay, now we'll go to the paid guardian, please. Paid guardian. A paid guardian refers to a person who serves God with the intention of deriving benefit from it. For such a person who focuses, focuses on the item being guarded, not himself personally. A paid guardian is, before we talk about unpaid guardian, doesn't want anything. A paid guardian says, I want to serve God, I do it because I love God. But, I want something in back. I want something, I want something a little bit. I do it for God, but yeah, I need, I need my reward. I'm not so holy. Well, I need like, my reward. Even, even uh, we were saying extra prayer for the for Israel. I mean, we're want something. Sure. God forbid, we, there's a sick person. We say a mishabera, but we want something. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ultimate. That's. I mean, for somebody else, it's the ultimate. For yourself, it's a different story. That's a different. For yenim, for somebody else, yeah, it means it's not for me. Then that's it. Again, I'm not selfish. It's not, I don't ask anything for me. A real tzaddik says, God, all my mitzvahs, give it to this guy and make him healthy. Give my reward to this guy. I don't need anything. But here we're not talking about this complete tzaddik. We're talking about a person who is still his attention is God. He wants to serve God. He loves God. But he wants something in it too. Nothing wrong with that, guys. Nothing wrong. But it doesn't apply that it's his work, job or something, right? Because you're saying he wants something from this. Because... If person is doing any kind of job and uh, uh, wants to do it, that's a job. Him being paid, yeah. I mean, this is just a job. It's nothing uh, wrong with. with uh, no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Come responsibility with this. No, no. Yeah, that what well, that comes responsibility. You want reward, then you have to be. You you are responsible for negligence. You are responsible for. Uh, continue to read it. Renter. The reverse is true with the renter. For the renter, the main thing is the utility of the item. Secondary to him is the payment he renders for the item's use. This can be compared to a person who says, I'll give you this coin to charity so that my son be healed. Exactly. What's going on here? The renter and the, and the, the, renter and the paid guardian are very similar. The question where it's starting. The paid guardian says, I'm a guardian. I'm here to serve God. I want something here too. The renter doesn't say it. The renter says, I don't want to serve God. I want the benefits. But I know for the benefits, I need, to, I, need, I need to pay for it. You understand the difference? It's a big difference. So the renter is transactional. The renter is transactional. If you will pay him, he'll go to you. Yeah, that's the difference. That's very good observation. Beautiful. Renter, I give you this, you give me this. No, 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 no. He said something very interesting. The paid guardian wants to serve God. He just wants something for it. The renter says, if God pays me, fine. If you will pay me, I'll go to you. That's the difference. Very good, yes. Then it's a difference. In, in the bottom line, both are responsible for the same things. They're responsible for negligence and not responsible for act of God. But in the intention, there's a huge difference. How you can define intention? Because, like, I agree with you. It's, like, very similar paid guardian and the renter. But it's a whole different world. When somebody asks you to pray for somebody in, in a show. Wait, 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 one second. I'm getting done. <laughs> but I have to tell you something important. There is people who come to the synagogue 
because they love the synagogue. They don't expect anything in, in return. Some people, they need something in return. They want some this, this, this. Then there is people who just need a synagogue. If you give them the service, they'll come here. If not, they'll go somewhere else. You understand the difference? First days. People would say absolutely. People different kinds of people, absolutely. But in, in, in reality, they are the same, so to speak. Let's say there would be, you get an aliyah once a month, let's say. Then there is a person who comes to show because he loves the show. He would like to get an aliyah once a month. The other guy just wants an aliyah once a month. You give it to him, he'll come here, he'll go somewhere else. That's the difference. That's the difference. The renter and the paid guardian. The paid guardian is about God. The renter is about himself. In reality, they are equal. Shkoyach. I was for a long time trying to figure out what's the difference. That's the difference. And there is, you, you see it. You see, but in, in reality, the, for these two people, God says, you want, re, you want reward, you want back something. Then you have to take more responsibility. You have to put more skin in, skin in the game. Yeah. How in example you just gave paid guardian fits into the go into synagogue for, some, for something or not? Paid guardian comes to show because he loves Saul Chabad. He loves it. He would like to be appreciated, to be recognized. But he's not expecting that's what you're saying. That's not, no, that's not the reason why he came here. He came here because he loves the place. It's not the intention. That's not the way he came. He likes to, he likes to be recognized. The, paid, the, the, the renter, he comes for the Aliyah. He doesn't come for Saul Chabad. But Saul Chabad has a shuler and they offer Aliyahs that he comes here. The moment Yankel Zor will open another shul across the street <laughs> and they will give Aliyahs twice a month, he'll go there. <laughs> you understand? That's the difference. Is, is my intention God or my intention is myself? If, if God pays, far I'll go to God. If not, I'll go to, if there is a new, a new God in town in the, in the, on, the, on the street and the block, I'll go there. So like in terms of the levels, like my thinking is that it's a shift from like being more about myself to being more selfless as, the, as you go. You bet. There's they, only been one Abraham in the history. No, so no, like, you're, right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are absolutely there. Yes. The, the renter and the paid guardian, this, they seem like they're um, sort of defined their limits, right? They both have money uh, as part of the transaction. Yes. There's sort of a definition around it. Whereas the unpaid guardian, there's no end to the good that they should be doing. Like, it almost seems like what an endless effort it would be. No, 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 no. You're, first of all, yes, yeah. Go, there's never a, a moment. But the other way is that's the opposite. Because I expect nothing. God is not, he's not holding me responsible, responsible for anything. It's not like I have to go, I'm not expecting, I'm doing it for God, I do as much as I can. Yeah, but a real tzaddik, you're right. It's, it's never enough. Because of the... the, the uh, the paid guardian comes to Solon Kabbat, they have their moment, they get their reward, they go home, it's, it's sort of done. Whereas the, the, uh, the unpaid guardian, in theory, they go to every Kabbat, to every, you know, they just keep going all day and all night. Right? <laughs> Without expecting anything. Without but expecting but, anything, but, yeah. but Chabad is not expecting from them anything too. What about these type of people? You're not like. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, I don't want the unpaid guardians. They're too holy, you know. That's what I'm saying because unpaid guardian does not does not have any kind of like uh, concentration uh, inside responsibility. I guess something for. No, 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 no. He has the ultimate responsibility. 
the ultimate, ultimate responsibility. responsibility in the same time it no, could no, no. be like it's you, a, you, if, you, if you would see what a Rebbe is you would understand what means Ampe Garden it's yeah, a person right. who dedicated his life who does not have a minute for himself who doesn't have anything for him there is nothing there for him he doesn't need anything he do, nothing it's, that's why that's how Abraham but you say his performance if you can say as a guardian uh should be a par at least with a paid guardian expectations. Though no, no expectations because he's unpaid. Because it no no expectation because he's all for God. Then you you, you whatever happened, if something went the wrong way, it's not it's not his fault. He's he's, he's, he's right. all there. He's all there. He throw himself into the into the you know, from a soldier who goes to the army, cannot hold him responsible for every little thing. He's there, he's giving his life for, for the for the for the country. Oh, you know, know, we wish that's right yeah, now I know, I know. so many things yeah. that uh, I know, soldiers I know. who fighting for, for country is uh, responsible for God for me. But the point is in, in the Ampere Guardian, that's what you mean. I know it's not exactly the right example. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Baruel, go ahead. Yeah. Every Jew has the right to demand <coughs> all of their material needs. Children have and wealth. People in accounts of their being descended Abraham, Isaac, and <laughs> Really, everybody has the right to be a, a, a borrower. He was born to God. Is I'm uh, your child, you know? <laughs> Daddy, you owe me this. <laughs> how do you? Why are you? You brought me to the vault. You owe <laughs> me that. That's what every teenager does to his parents. Not every, but many. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? You're my parent. You have to give me everything. Then every Jew, really, can be spoiled enough that he can demand from God everything. As we, as we learn from a very interesting law. Go ahead. Without any actions of their own. This is in accordance with a holistic opinion that if a person contracted themselves uh, to feed their workers, even if they prepared them a feast like uh, <coughs> those enjoyed by King Solomon in his heydays, they still haven't discharged their obligation. Because as descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they, they deserve even more. Uh, we'll read the, story, the piece from the Talmud. It'll be easier to understand what's going on. Source number eight. Rabbi Yechmanan ben Matia once told his son to go hire workers. He hired them on the condition that he would provide them with food without specifically uh, specifying which food. He told them, lunches and me. Mm -hmm. He hired workers for the day. He told them the lunches and me. Okay, but he didn't tell him what kind of lunch. Go ahead. When he returned to his father, he told him, My son, even if you give them a feast uh, fit for the King Solomon, you have not fulfilled your obligation to them, for they are sons of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Stop right there. He told them, <coughs> you didn't tell them what you're going to give them, if it's a pizza lunch or something else. No matter what you give them, it will be enough. You know why I hired? You hired the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are children of the king of all kings. They deserve everything. You better go back and make a deal with them. Tell them exactly what you're giving. Then if they, because if they said, I'll give you, I'll give you lunch. You didn't say what? They can expect everything. It'll never be enough. Because they're the children. They're princes of God. That's how Judaism looks on a Jew. The Jew deserves everything. Everything. That the Jew can come to God and say, God, I'm your son. The princess of the Queen of England, right? I mean, the, the royalty. They get whatever they want, right? Yeah. We are all more than them, all of us, every Jew. They deserve everything. Continue. Before they began working, 
clarify that they will only receive bread and ligaments alone as it customary to provide workers. Go tell them exactly what you're going to give them. Go ahead. The rabbi. The spiritual meaning of a borrower is a person who derives benefit from the world, receiving everything they need without giving any payment from their end. Borrower. A borrower in the literal sense of the concept assumes full responsibility for the item, including for unpreventable accidents. In the spiritual sense, this means that a person who wishes to enjoy the world without investing any divine service becomes obligated to return their assigned portion in the world to God intact. This means observing Torah and mitzvot on which the existence of the world depends. Borrowers can't absolve themselves of responsibility by claiming that they experience an unavoidable accident. Wow, here he says like this, you're a borrower, you don't want to pay anything. You say, even, it's, even a person who is doing mitzvot, but he doesn't think that he's doing, he deserves because of the mitzvot. He deserves because I deserve, because I was born, because I exist, I have God owes me everything. You're not ready to pay back anything, you're responsible for everything. The more you pay, you're ready to pay, the less you're responsible now. You take you want for free, you're responsible for everything. Whatever happens, it's your fault. And you better you you be you be accountable for it. Then the same four guardians is in our spiritual life. If you do everything for God, you're responsible for nothing. You want something in the tomb, you're responsible for negligence and for and for expected disasters. If you're if you're a barrel, you're responsible for an act of God, for whatever it is in the world. It's your responsibility. You didn't want to pay for it. You want everything for free. You have to pay for every little thing that happened. So like the more unwilling, the more responsible. The more you, you should. Yeah. Because, yeah. Doesn't yes. that sound very good? Huh? It's not a good deal for people who don't believe. Like there's like they just, uh, just something bad really can happen to them because of who they are, right? It's, they were born Jews, and now they're responsible for everything. Oh, yeah, you're born Jews, you're stuck. <laughs> but there is a solution for this problem. Then, first of all, these are the four, the four guardians, and that's all the four levels. And the more you take responsibility, the less you're responsible. The more you're in, you're ready to do, you're ready to pay. The solution is be a better Jew. <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Be a better Jew. Yeah. But uh, now... There is, a, there is a way to get to, to, to say, to say so the situation. Finish that thought. The more responsible, the more you're willing, maybe not to pay, the more responsible, the more you're willing to do, then... You are less responsible. The more you're willing to do, you're less responsible for things behind your control. That's the more. The more you dish out, the less... Things are behind your control, you're less responsible for things behind your control. Because when you're feeling more responsible, you're doing something to prevent whatever can happen. Not because of no. this, because... I'm trying my best. God says, you tried your best. If you did, it wasn't behind your control, behind your control. But, but if you didn't try, but if you didn't try to do anything, you want everything, you want a free launch here, you're responsible for everything. Whatever happened. You're cheap, that's, that's what the, you're not, it's a give and take. That's what it's all about. The owner, now comes the owner press, owner's press, now comes a real twist in the, in the, in the story. Borrowing with the owner. If a person borrows an animal from his neighbor and it breaks a limb or dies, if its owner is not with him, he shall surely pay. If its owner is with him, he shall not pay. Here comes Nanuting. 
a, a, a borrower responsible for everything, right? For everything. But if the owner was standing right there, he told the owner, you know, I don't know how to lead your, your um, ball. It's so strong. You come and help me. And he was there and something happened. You're not responsible for anything. If he was there, present, let's say somebody, you ask somebody, give me your car to drive. I need to drive to the airport. Then I, I told them, you know what, maybe you can drive me actually to the airport. Right? Then if the car broke down, you're not responsible. Even if you were driving and he was sitting by the passenger seat, you tell him, you see, I didn't do anything wrong, right? You wouldn't have to pay for it. Touch taste. And if the owner is with you, you borrowed something, but the owner is with you, then you are exempt. It's an amazing law. Took me a long time to understand that. That sounds like a full free ride. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you, well, you know, well, think about it. Downside. Think, th think about it. I ask you for the car. I need to go to the airport. And you sit in the passenger, it's your car, but I said, no, I'll drive it. You said, yo, go ahead, drive it. I'll sit and walk on my computer. And the car breaks on, breaks on the way to the airport. You're going to expect for me to pay for it? Tell me. I'd be unhappy with you. But? <laughs> right. Unhappy with me? No, I can deal with it. Well, what did I get? It's not my fault. Friend who didn't want to pay. <laughs> That's not the way. You're not in the business of renting cars. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're there, you cannot expect anything. John, I'm not asking you to drive into an airport. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do a favor somebody to something, if something happens to you, you're responsible. Exactly. If you are there, you open. It's like, owner. It's like the, 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 here comes the line good deed never, never goes unpunished. <laughs> But if you're there, you're there. What do you want me? I should be responsible for you. You were right there. You saw what happened. So it means that Hashem didn't want the, the borrower to be responsible. That he gave him, he gave him a free ride because Hashem wanted to. You, not, obviously, not, but... Not, not the lender. It doesn't make a difference who wanted. I'm looking at like you have a perfect witness that you did not do anything. That's my point, yes. That's, that's what it is. That's but the witness point. basically... Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you have a car accident, we borrow somebody's car. If you have 50 witnesses... No, no, no. It's not the same if you had the owner sitting in the car. Exactly. Exactly. Sitting in the car or even driving. driving. Or oh, driving. Even better. He took you. He took you. He was volunteering. He said, you know what? I'm not giving you the car. I'll take you to the airport. I don't want to spend time with you. I'll take you to the airport. And then there is an accident. Nobody's responsible. Nobody's fault, is it? Oh, you're going to ask him for the money, right? You know, I was driving. Right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the backhand, like when something goes wrong and, and someone says, oh, I wish you wouldn't have never asked me to do this. You, that happens, yeah. things like this. Yeah. 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 That doesn't make sense. So logical. <laughs> so, Stan, continue. The following rules apply when a person entrusts an article to a colleague for safekeeping, whether he offers payment or not, or lends an article or hires it out. If the watchman also asks the owner of the article to work for him or hires him together with the article, the watchman is never held liable at all. Even if the watchman is negligent in his care of the article he was watching and it was lost because of his negligence, he is not liable. As Exodus 2214 states, if his owner is with him, he need not make restitution. If he, hired, if he is a hired worker, it comes with his wage. The point is like this, when the owner is there, you, 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 you take less responsibility. It's naturally, it's psychologically. If the boss is here, 
You don't feel it's your responsibility. You don't, you don't, you're not so worried about everything that happened to it. He was right there. He, they took, he, was, he was a part of it. So, exactly this, this case happened to my daughter. She was driving somebody else's car because they were just, you know, like driving to, from place A to place B. It was a, a long ride. So they switched, and she was driving. And uh, they, the police stopped the car for one reason or another. I don't know exactly what it was. And registration wasn't there. And my daughter, like, she didn't have it on her registration. Mm-hmm. My daughter got ticket for not having a registration on the car that she doesn't own. Um, but see, according to the Torah, she's not she responsible. Was she was driving. She was because mm-hmm. she was, but, but, but uh, was the, the owner state of the car, car or state of whatever the state was. The state doesn't recognize it. Change, really? Change constitution. Well, one second, one second. The, it's a respons- the driver is responsible for. Yeah. Even the car belongs to the old, somebody else. Yeah, and the person was right there. Right there. And they, she didn't get the ticket? No. The driver got the ticket. Because hmm. any other yeah, ticket goes by the car, no? Well, if she was speeding. Right, that's right. If she was speeding, the daughter, your daughter would get the ticket. She it was not speeding. Yeah, it was, she wasn't speeding. She was something else. I don't know exactly why they got checked. Very interesting. Yeah, you're right. In, in this case, would be the owner of the car. Yes. But state doesn't recognize it. So you're driving, it's your problem. That's Ohio. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Go ahead. Um, Phil, you want to continue? Source of love. He tries to explain what's the logic behind it. Sefer Regarding borrowing in the owner's presence, we can explain that the Torah does not consider the borrower responsible in the owner's presence because the owner will guard their property when they are there. Mm-hmm. Now comes the spiritual punchline, my friend. Go ahead, continue. God loans us our soul. God gave us our divine soul and its powers on loan so that we should be able to overcome our body and animalistic soul. We must remember at all times that our divine powers are given to us on loan and must be returned to their owner intact. This is the meaning of the sages saying, may my exit from this world be like my entry into it. Basically clean from sins. Continue. A borrower bears full responsibility for the item, including for unavoidable accidents. The solution is borrowing along with the owner. The example the Talmud gives of this is the borrower asking the lender to pour him some water at the time he borrows the item. In the spiritual sense, this means asking God to, for all of one's needs in prayer, God is the owner. So asking him to provide for us makes our loan of the divine soul and its powers borrowing with the owner. What he says is something very interesting. In the spiritual sense, if I start my day with God, I borrow God to this situation, then it's all different than the story. I've got, if I have God with me, I'm not responsible for anything. If I borrow the world and I enjoy life and I couldn't care less about anything, then I'm responsible for everything. But if I start today with putting on film, for example, even the rest of the day, I'm not so holy. But I started, I had the borrower, the owner with me, then the owner, is, the, the owner is responsible, not me. If the driver of the car started the ride with me, it is responsibility. That's what he said. We'll, we'll skip this paragraph, we'll go to the end of it. Oh, that's actually... You know what? Yeah, we'll go to the end of it. Praying first. 
Go ahead. Let's see. If you have the barrel with you, you're not responsible for anything. You might not be a big tzaddik. What do you have God with you? You have you've God in mind. So you're saying if in the morning you said right prayers, that's kind if you of start if you yeah, it means to say if I start the day with the awareness of God, then God is with me. Then the rest of the day I'm not the biggest tzaddik. Isn't there someone in history that's done that and then done, done something terrible later in the day? Yeah, but because of this, <laughs> because of this, because at the beginning of the day, it was, it was, the owner was there, he's exempt. He's not responsible for, acts, for, for anything, basically. But what's the level? I like, Modani is enough, or you have to say, Prayers. Pray. Um, I would say, let's, uh, for men putting on film, for women to say the Shema. What about Sadducee? Would he... One second, one second, Sadducee. You got it? If you put on the trillion in the morning, it takes five minutes. If you will, after you do it first, you learn. It's, it's not such a complicated business. You all know that. Mm-hmm. The point is, Shema. See, people are not made for trillion yet to say the Shema. You, you start the day in the morning before you, before you open yourself and you check all the, all the people make you angry and then all the answers that you That's gave. That's the most difficult part, naturally. Exactly. <laughs> and you read the news and you get depressed and they're screaming and this and this. You're starting your day, you get up, you get dressed. You say a prayer to God. You start the day with God. Then the rest of the day is a different day. You have God and you are witness of God. The owner is with you. The is owner is not there and you are here. Men to fill in women's shema? Yes. And then the owner is with you. Even then the owner said, the owner is here. He takes responsibility. Don't worry. You, you, you borrowed the owner, not just the, the fee. You didn't borrow the day without the owner. I want a day, I want to enjoy life, I don't care. No, no. What we skipped here is the law is that has to be, the owner has to be with you and the beginning of the borrowing, that's what counts. And the same thing is here in a spiritual sense. Then you don't have people say, oh, who can be an unpaid guardian? Nobody. A paid, but now, I want to tell you one more thing. It doesn't mean you have to be for a whole life one way or another. You can be for one minute a paid guardian, for another five minutes unpaid. One mitzvah you do just because you want to do it, because of Hashem. I don't, I don't expect anything for it. That in this mitzvah you're unpaid guardian. The other mitzvah, oh, for this I want something. A third mitzvah, you're just a renter. And a fourth mitzvah, you don't want to pay anything. You want, you want it for free. It doesn't mean that you have to be one way or another. Order. A person in the day can change all four stages in one day. Or in one day is 
all enthusiastic about God, he's doing it. God, just I love you so much. Just like in a relationship between couples. One day they're in love, they'll do anything for each other. Birthday. <laughs> the other day, they want everything for free. Oh, no, 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 what am you stay, what am this? Right? Then there is the same thing, it's, it's a relationship. The same thing is with God. It doesn't mean that it has to be one way or another. But when you start the day in a Jewish way, with a prayer or with, with, a, with a mitzvah, then God is, on your side, is with you. That, that's the point. You get God with you. And when you have God with you, you're not responsible for anything. Thank you very much, my friend. The yellow star that the Jewish people used to wear in, in the Holocaust yeah. was created, was invented right after uh, the Kristallnacht. Eindrich was his name, Reinhold Eindrich. He was the guy, he was one of the leaders of the Nazis. And he organized the whole pogrom of, of uh, Kristallnacht. Mm. Was, you know, in this pogrom, they killed, uh, they killed I think, uh, a thousand Jews, over a thousand Jews that night. They arrested 30,000 Jews, sent them to, to camps, something like this, and destroyed unlimited amount of Jewish property. It was terrible. And after this, they came up with this idea. And when, the, and when Germany, in, invaded Poland. They all, that was the first place that they practiced it. They said everybody, everybody has to wear this this uh, yellow star. And later they applied it in Germany and in Holland, in other countries. But the idea, what uh, is less known, that the idea of identifying Jews with a, with, a, with something under 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 chest, was not invented by the Germans. It was invented in the 7th century or the 8th century by a, an, a Muslim caliphate. Mm. Some leader, who he started it, and since then, it was in different stories, in different uh, uh, countries, in, in uh, Christian countries, as well as in Muslim countries, back and forth in different times, over the Jewish history. The last tomb was in, was in Germany. Every time they wanted to identify the Jews, different than the rest of the society. Now, if I ask you to, to make a depiction, a picture of the two tablets, how would you make it? Well, I know how to make it. But how would every Jew make it? <laughs> with yeah. a, with, not with a rounded edge. Exactly. <laughs> Most of the people will say you have to have a rounded edge. Yeah. Now, in this expulsion, in the end of the parsha, the Torah goes back to Mount Sinai story. Hmm. The whole beginning is about very the, the different laws, monetary laws, injury laws, and things like this, uh, guardians, and all of all of the stuff. Very detailed laws. I mean, uh, between men and men, so to speak. But civil law. But uh, but uh, the end of the parsha goes back to the story of Mount Sinai. God, it's like it's like not even in its place. It should be there, but God, the Torah, God said to Moses to put it right here by the end of the parsha Mishpatim. One of the things is God tells them, okay, after, after you, heard, you got the Ten Commandments, I said the Ten Commandments, now go, come up to Mount Sinai, and I will give you the two tablets. That's in this week's parsha. The Torah doesn't tell us how the two tablets look like. The Torah said there were two tablets, give you two stones, two stones, and will be written on the Ten Commandments. Throughout the biblical times, when the tablets were with us, it's not written how the tablets look. Not in the five books of Moses, not in the prophets, not in the scripture, nowhere. A description how it looks like? No. 
The first time, and then after 800 years or so, 800 years, the tablets were, the, the Ark of the Covenant disappeared. One opinion says it went to exile to Babylon. The other opinion, the more accepted opinion, was hidden somewhere in the tunnels underneath the Temple Mount. Mm. Later, the Talmud who described, who discusses all the laws, or Jewish laws, has a discussion about the tablets. How the tablets look like. What was the size of the tablets? And they say there were six by six and bread. What's that word mean? And bread means this size. Tfachim uh-huh. in Hebrew. Six by six. Six by six means they were square. Simple. Six by six. <laughs> no two ways, no, no two ways to explain it. Right. No matter what size. No matter is. how you look over it. It doesn't make exactly. <laughs> then, then where comes the idea of the round tablets? It comes from the, from the Christians. They came up with this idea of the round tablets. You see, when they, in, in, in Judaism, they never tried to make a depiction, a picture of the, of the, of the tablets. They found um, synagogues, archaeological diggings. They found synagogues in Israel, not far from Beit She'an. It's called Beit Alpha. They found a mosaic with many pictures, with many depictions of, of different Jewish, Jewish um, you know, pictures and things like this. There is a menorah there. There is the, 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 the zodiacs are there. There is a, uh, there is a, a depiction now. Abraham is, is offering Isaac for a sacrifice. Mm. There is no tablets. They found another, they, another, another mosaic from another synagogue in Tiberias, not far from the Kinneret. You know the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee. They looked there, there is no depiction of two tablets. The Jewish people never had the need to make, the, make a picture of the two tablets. Jews in general were always trying to shy away from visual pictures right. when it comes to God, to the tablets, all these kind of things. We believe in it, we know in it, we know that we don't need, we don't need a picture. What happened is, when Christianity came and adopted the Ten, the Ten Commandments as theirs, they little by little started to make pictures of the two tablets. And in the beginning, they also, there is picture, in the olden times, they made pictures of the tablets, square tablets. Hmm. But around a thousand years ago, it started to become that it's round. The picture became round and became more and more public. Not only it's a Christian thing, at one point, they had identified Jews with the two tablets. <laughs> Henry III, the king, king of England, uh-huh. I think in the 1256, 1230, yeah, in the 1300s, he gave an order, every Jew, I think above the age of seven, where he goes, where he comes in the city, outside of the city, should wear a, a, made out, a, a picture of the tablet, mm. made out of, a, of parchment of, or garment, but he has to wear it mm. wherever he goes outside. Eventually, they expelled the Jews. The first country to expel the Jews was England, before everybody. You know, Spanish, Spanish expulsion, but England was the first one. And then, then the the picture of the tablet that everybody knows was that was the yellow, the first yellow star, the first yellow star ever in. I mean, not the first, but one of the yellow, it was used as a yellow star to identify Jews. And he says in his order, they have a quote from the order that Henry the Third made, they, to identify to separate them from the Christians. That's what he says to separate the Jews from the Christians. 
then but what happened is over the years, the Jewish people, it was forgotten, the story with, with, uh, with England, and little by little it got into the Jewish life, this depiction of the Tutabat, this image. Well, when it started, when the Jews in Europe started to, to decorate the synagogues from inside, they wanted some Jewish uh, pictures, Jewish images. And what could be a better Jewish image than the two tablets? That little by little became more and more and more. And over the last 500 years, the big synagogues in Europe, they built the two tablets in front of the synagogue outside, not just inside. You see pictures, and they show pictures on the internet, beautiful tablets outside. And in the last 50, uh, 150 years, it became a religious symbol. When an institution, a yeshiva, a synagogue, wants to make themselves very religious, the logo, part of the logo is like the sign of the, of the two tablets. Oh, wow. The most religious organizations ever this. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've seen it. Everywhere, the... everywhere. And I... the Rebbe, he started a campaign. He says, why, why are you adapting something that was given by the... That, now, the Talmud says that it was queer. The, the, the Christians came up with, this, with the round. What gives? You, then you, you're going with the Krishna uh, identity more than with the Jewish identity. What's in the Talmud? It's not like somebody came up with an idea, just a Jewish, Jewish cute picture. Right. That's the Talmud's way to do things. And more than that, the Rabbi spoke that from my educational point, a kid goes to yeshiva. They give him a, they give him a, a certificate of something from the end of the year. And there's the picture of the logo of the school. Round tablet, that's how it goes up. Then one day he opens the Talmud, he comes to this page, he learns it. It's actually learned, and they learned this in the yeshivas. And he says, that's not true. He says, my, my teachers lie to me all my life. Then he loses, they lose credibility in his eyes. Who knows what else they made up? <laughs> and besides, he said, why not to take the Jewish way? Now, many people tell you, who cares? This picture, this picture, why the Rebbe made such a big, a big thing about it? There is other, other pictures, other depictions that the, that the Gentiles did, the Jewish people suffered a lot. For example, the Michelangelo picture of Moses, right? He made, he made, like, a, like, a, he made like a monument of Moses, Michelangelo. I'm not sure if I've seen it. Yeah. In this, you see Moses, he's holding tablets in his hand like this on the side. Mm. Actually, actually square, actually. Huh. But then he has two little horns on his head. Uh. It's coming from a mistake in the Bible. It's written when Moses came down with the two second set of tablets from Mount Sinai. First of all, he didn't hold the tablet like this. They were much bigger and heavier. But uh, his face was shining. The world is a beam of light. The word for a beam, it's called a beam, right? A beam of light in, in, in Ibo is the same word for a horn. <laughs> Karan and, and Keren. If, you know, in, in the Bible itself, there is no vows, then you can, the same three words, the same three letters, they're the same spelling. Mm -hmm. Like in English, there is many words like this. In any, in any language, then instead of translating Karan, that he had a beam, beam of light, that his, his face was shining with the glory of God, that people were afraid even to get close to him, even his better Aaron, they translated as his, his, his horns, he had two horns. And people told me they went to Ohio State, even sure, quite a few people. That people wanted to know. They met other, other students, met them, who never met a Jew. They wanted to know if they were wrong. Some people even touched them. Can I touch you? <laughs> to make sure you don't have wrong? Then you see that a bad picture 
is a problem. And it's important to have it correct. There is another piece of furniture, a piece of uh, that was in the temple that was done, that was a, the Christians depicted in a certain way, and really what the Judaism believes in another way, the menorah. The menorah, the way it's, a, it's on the Arch of Titus, you were in uh, Italy? Yeah. Yeah, you saw the Arch of Titus, I think. In, in Rome, you were in Rome. No, it wasn't in, in Rome. Rome. Uh-huh. Then in Rome, they have the Arch of Titus, and they have a depiction of the menorah, or the body bring the menorah from the temple to, to Rome. It's a round menorah. And many, other, all, many mosaics all over the world, in Israel, many. But according to Maimonides and Rashi, the menorah was diagonal, straight, but straight. The branches were straight, not, uh, not a circle. Also, the Rebbe pointed out why you have to take with the, the Christian version if you can take the Jewish version. What's interesting, if you think about it, Christianity is rounding out every, everything. Judaism is a square religion. Whatever it's written, it's written. You cannot change it. You cannot make it better. You cannot, round, you cannot cut corners. Mm-hmm. In Judaism, you cannot cut corners. It is what it is. That's a, I can do it. If, I can, if I'm up to it or not, it's my problem. An edge is exact. Exactly. An edge is exact. Exactly. Thank you. You cannot, oh, no, 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 no. it doesn't work like this. There, to make it, they make, to make it more palatable to the crowd, they round out corners. A little here, a little there, a little there. <laughs> That's what Judaism is all about. There is no, there is no round, it can, 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 can corners. 